Welcome to Frickity Frack. We do talk back. Thank you for joining us in this episode. Hello, my name is Patrick and I'm Frack. Hello, my name is Jeff and I'm Frick. Frickity Frack, we do talk back is a a show that we air once a week where we will discuss different aspects of fandom and how they relate to the gospel. Currently, we are going through the second half of the second season of My Hero Academia and and we are connecting lessons from each episode to teachings in the Bible. Now, just as many of you are, we are also fans of other things as well. So when we do finish the second season of My Hero Academia, we'll go in a different direction. And it could be anything ranging from anime, uh, uh, comic books, video games, movies, or really in all honesty, just anything that we're fans of. We got the name of the show from our father who dubbed us Frick and Frack since we were kids. So in this episode, it is titled Midoriya and Shigaraki. Uh, so this episode begins with Gran Torino and Midoriya beginning their training uh, once again. And Gran Torino gives uh, Deku three minutes to hit him with a smash. Uh, so Midoriya shows improvement in the fight, but he fails. Uh, Gran Torino recognizes his growth already and says he's on a whole new level compared to what he was in the sports festival. Uh, we see the training the other students are going through. Uh, and while that happens, we get an update. Uh, All Might gets an update from the police about Nomu. We find out that Nomu is a genetically modified uh, individual, uh, modified to hold multiple quirks. Uh, Sukachi uh, explains that even if you introduce the genetics of another person, it shouldn't give them more powers. So they, the only thing they can... Uh, correlate with all this is that uh, someone is putting the quarks in the no mill. So it makes All Might proclaim he's back and he goes into his muscle form. And then we go to the villain bar where Stain has pinned Shigaraki with his blades and Kurigiri is frozen by Stain's quirk. Stain exclaims that all the fake heroes and villains need to be purged. Uh, Shigaraki frees himself and knows that Stain is no good for the League of Villains and sends him back to Hosu. Ida discusses Stain's pattern and realizes that Stain will stay in Hosu for a little while longer and wants to make sure he gets his revenge. Uh, On the third day of their internship, uh, Gran Torino uh, takes Midoriya out to fight villains and they will be traveling by the bullet train. Uh, Midoriya realizes that they will pass by Hosu City and Ida and uh, makes him think about messaging him sometime soon to make contact. Ida and Manuel discuss how Ida has come for Stain and Manuel explains that personal use of a hero's quirk is a serious crime because they cannot arrest anyone. Stain explains his plan for Hosu and Kurigiri points out that Stain does actually cause change because either heroes act more conscientious or people are afraid to commit crimes in the area. Uh, Shigaraki releases three Nomu into Hosu uh, with a Nomu attacking Midoriya and Gran Torino's train 
as Deku uh, thinks of Ida and how he's not communicating with him at this time. Manuel and Ida get the call to stop a villain, and Ida knows it's not Stain because he's not that flashy. Ida runs down an alley and comes across Stain and proclaims his name is Ingenium and will defeat the hero killer. All right. So with this episode, you know, we did, we had a quite a number of new introductions in the previous episode and didn't really have any this go around. Um, you know, we do see like one random hero. That I don't know if that hero ever is actually named, uh, but there is a hero that kind of shows up that's fighting the no move that goes into the train that Midoriya and Gran Torino are on. And for me, the you know, there's a lot of things to talk about in this episode that are very interesting. And again, this it's one of the things that I always do enjoy about this series is that in the episodes that in building up to the you know to the major action sequences that are coming, you know, they always do a great job of just giving us more and more insight into this world. And, you know, so one of the things that's really cool is we're seeing, you know, we get some insight into the training and the internships, you know, and and also in all honesty, some of the stuff about what limits heroes is like heroes don't actually arrest anybody. So they, you know, there's uh, apparently there's a lot of regulation and laws in place that actually prevent people from going out and using their quirks and so, you know, which in all honesty kind of makes sense with, you know, the way that they're, the way that citizens for the most part are depicted in the world that, you know, for the most part, you wouldn't think that 80% of them all have something that makes them, you know, unique having different powers because they're just not using them in their day to day. So it, it, and that kind of, and that kind of shows and explains why that that's, that's how that is, is that they don't. Uh, they're they're really not allowed to use their quirks for the most part out in public a whole lot and or for personal gain because it's you know they're only certain people are supposed to in terms of heroes and if you do use your powers in a way that's not appropriate it's potentially there's some serious legal implications uh it would be very bad and especially for somebody that's aspiring to be a hero and that's what's man that's what manual tries to tell ida is that it would be very there the ramifications of him going after stain for you know for revenge for vengeance would not go over well it would be there'd be some serious issues some serious legal problems that would pop up because of it so it's just is real is you know some really interesting to you know how they kind of lay that stuff down and because like in all honesty that's probably what would happen in our society today is if all of a sudden people you know 80 percent of the world's population started uh growing super getting superpowers um you can imagine i can 100 i 100 believe there would be a lot of legislation would stop would start popping up and restricting about uh, restricting how much we'd be able to use our powers now, whether or not that's right, that's a discussion for another day. Another day, but that is just the way it is in this world, right? And so this this is an interesting contrast to like the the superheroes of like Marvel and DC, where you know the the way they're depicted is that they're almost they have their own authority, and you know think about this like 
Batman and Spider-Man uh, in particular will either tie up or web up their their villains and then leave them for the the police to catch. Now Batman, a lot of the times, what they'll he does is he'll leave evidence of saying like, okay, this is the crimes they're committing, blah blah blah, and, and that's if he they do that. Um, most of the time, like Spider-Man will just web them up and leave them or stuff like that. Like, I mean, it's it's really not good. Like, it's one of those funny things. I can't remember which comic it was where Spider-Man would he was dropping off a villain. Maybe it was a different hero. I think it was Spider-Man. He was dropping off a villain and was like, here you go. And he's like, but he dropped him off at prison, not at a police station, nothing like that. He was like, and the guards are like, what are we supposed to do with this? Like, lock him up. He was like, we can't do that. And it's just really funny because it pointed out the flaw in their own superhero system because they don't have the authority to lock, to arrest people, to hold people, things like that. And, but they do it anyways. And, uh, and so it's always really fascinating to, to see the difference between My Hero Academia and, you know, Marvel and DC Comics, uh, because what heroes are, you know, as we've talked about the world, what the heroes are doing is they're basically the backup or the, they're kind of like the special forces of the police department in a way, or in emergency services. They're like, oh, this is more than what a fire truck can handle, what an ambulance can handle, or a police squad. We need a hero. And so the hero comes in and takes care of it. Other than that, the police and firefighters and emergency services take care of the stuff themselves. Um, yeah. Well, there it, to me, it's more there. It's more like they're um, contractors. Really, in all honesty, is the way that heroes yeah, work in the society is they're contracted to uh, do heroic things. But one of the things that we'll see as the world progresses, you know, I mean, we even see this a little bit with um, with Ida and Manuel, and then even as well in this particular episode, we see that Grant Torino's is like, all right, you know, we let you know Grant Torino's taking Midoriya into. Um, a more urban area and talks about how it's like, oh yeah, you know, this is a kind of relatively small area, so we don't get a whole lot of crime. So wouldn't any basically any basic tells us like, you know, it really wouldn't be worth for you to do like a patrol or look for anything here. So let's go to a more urban area and we'll give you know and we'll we'll go break up some fights. And so yeah, so that's it's just one of the things that's interesting about this world that they do that and it's you know it's not just um you know they they'll go you know they'll they'll go and stop stuff but they have to work in coordination with the police and but they'll still go out and they'll stop people but they have to sit you know it's like so but even on patrols like you know they have to stop them and then have to advise what's going on and so that's one of the things that you know is so important that like if spider-man you know let, let's take marvel for example for for instance and in using spider-man as the hero you know that we're talking about here is that one of the things that's so important it's like so let's say he's he catches a guy that is um robbing a store like he's you know he's he he robs the grocery store or something like that and he webs him to the wall well it's it's great and all that he webbed him to the wall but you need to be able to make sure that with what he did that he he makes the witnesses comfortable that they will be able to identify and say, yes, that man did rob 
my store and here's evidence, you know, like here's a recording of it. And then, you know, and it was him. So it's not that it's like necessarily super flawed, but it is something that, you know, with heroic actions, they have to be able to make sure that people feel safe enough to, you know, speak up because it can't, you know, because again, when it comes to the word of law, you know, like dealing with law, it's very difficult to make, you know, make judgments on something when it's he said versus, you know, he said, she said, it's, mm-hmm. it's gotta be, you know, you gotta have evidence because you can make all the accusations you want, but unless you can back it up, then it doesn't hold any water. Yeah. Um, well, following up with that, like we'll take the same example of Spider-Man webbing a guy to the wall. Technically Spider-Man has committed a crime doing that because that's that's assault and um uh detaining someone on unlawful detainment um so i mean so in all honesty j jonah jameson is actually a righteous crusading journalist calling spider-man a menace um in actual law you know but you know in the marvel universe it's different but uh you know that's that's something to kind of consider i wonder if that's ever when that's ever really kind of been tackled if that's ever been well, tackled with superheroes well i mean when it comes well i mean honestly when it comes to superheroes that's part of the reason why it's so important that they have you know secret identities because you know they can't you can't go after somebody that you don't know who they are you know, so that's why it's one of the things that makes me really upset in, you know, different instances like Superman, you know, most the most recent like out, uh, you know, outing that's happened in comics is uh, Superman. You know, Superman has come out in the public, uh, you know, in the comics and everybody knows that he's Clark oh, Kent and no, that sort of stuff, you know. And so and it's just like, you know, it's not, you know, it's like they talk about how it's like, oh, yeah, we don't. You know, we keep our secret identity to protect our loved ones. Like, yes, that is very true. That's a part of the reason why superheroes keep a secret identity. But the other part is, is like, in all honesty, you got to think about it's like their actions, especially when they're you know a high-profile hero, they tend to get into some big uh, skirmishes that can cause a lot of collateral damage. You know, could you imagine like, you know, in in today's society, Superman is fighting in metropolis and you know you know let's take man of steel for instance everybody knows you know if everybody knows that superman is clark kent and with what happened with the kryptonians and just wiping out a good chunk of metropolis it's like you don't think people wouldn't be going after clark kent you know and suing him you know and it's just like Batman shouldn't have gone, you know, tried to kill Superman. He's like, we're going to sue you. <laughs> yeah. We're going to sue you to stop being a superhero. That that actually would have been a better plan for Batman. It's like, you know what? I'm going to fight you with lawyers, not kryptonite bullets um, that he doesn't yeah. use. Um, but that's a whole other thing. There's so many flaw, flaws with that. But, it, but yeah, so, so anyways, that's just, you know, and, and again, that's, it's one of the things that we always really like about you know, and we and we do talk about this a lot it, with a series. It's just getting into the world that that's around us, and it's just I find you know with it comes to my hero academia, that's one of the things that even in an episode where not a whole lot happens and we're getting led to something bigger, um, you know, especially with the way this episode ends, you know, we're going to see 
you know, Ingenium slash Ida, uh, finally, you know, he, he's finally confronting uh, Stain, and we'll be discussing that in the next episode. Um, but it's one of the things, you know, one of the things, too, that, you know, with the internships, you know, really, in all honesty, when you're watching this, like, you know, especially when they show the clips from Yagi Rozu, um, slash, you know, or Momo, however you want to, whatever you like to call her, and Bakugo are, are probably regretting their intern decisions a little bit. And so, one of the things that I really like about uh, Momo's I- internship is that she's trying to do everything she can to make sure that it's like, all right, there's, there's gotta, it's just like, I can't just be wasting my time. I need to make sure I'm actually, you know, there's, there's gotta be some hidden meaning, you know? So she's just like, she's just trying so hard. And it's like, it's, it's so, it's, it's really awesome of her when you honestly, when you kind of think about it, that's the fact that she's trying so hard to find some meaning in this, something that basically to her seems pointless. Like there's gotta be a secret meaning. And then it's nice to have Kendo. Kendo, Kendo there with her, just being like, oh, she's in denial. Because Kendo figured, you know, Kendo's figured it out. It's like, nope, we're wasting our time. We're basically just here to make her look better. And so it's just, you know, it was just really, it was, it was funny. I, I enjoyed it. And then, um, you know, to me, Bakugo is almost kind of like a Saiyan. You know, so Bakugo is at best, at the best genus um hero agency and one of the things that the best genius is telling bakugo is that it's not just being good with your powers you need to be able to um provide comfort with the way you talk with your appearance and so he gives him this like more conservative haircut style or hairstyling and bakugo just absolutely hates it and so then his hair just poof uh they actually put a little bomb you know, wording right next to it and his hair goes right back to the normal spike. So it just makes me think of like when you're dealing with Saiyans, like, yeah, you can try and change, you know, a full-blooded Saiyan's hair as all you want, but it, it's just going to go right back to the way it was. They, their hair doesn't really change after they're born. Right. And <clears throat> that's one of those interesting things, like the, and with last episode as well, you know, you know, Bakugo chose best genus because Best genus was probably the highest ranked hero that offered him an internship. And so, you know, that would be makes sense. It's like, okay, well, you know what? I want to be number one. So he's the highest rated one that I have an offer for. I'm going to go there. Um, and so, uh, yeah, Yorozu, you know, she's learning the publicity side, but it's, it's interesting that they keep touching on this stuff that you're learning about hero agencies, you're learning about what it means to be a hero, but you're all, it's all being underlined with Stain's convictions on the, the bad hero society that it is, the false heroes, where we see Yayorozu's mentor being all about glamour and you know interviews and things like that. Then you see Manuel, who's a pretty respectable hero. I mean, he's not great at his job. I mean, he's not like a world renowned hero or anything like that, but you know, he's, you know, he's good enough and he, he's trying, but you know, he doesn't really make a whole lot of difference in my opinion. Right. Um, well, I mean the thing, but here's the thing 
though, when it comes to heroes, and this is really, and really, in all honesty, this is just a good lesson to to understand and, and to and to deal with is that there's only there can only be one number one. You know, it's not, that's as much as you know people try to tell you like, oh yeah, you can be anything you want to be, and it's like just aim for the stars and you'll get it. It's like that's not always the case. It's just it's just not true, you know. Um, you're dealt the hands that you're dealt, you're dealt the cards that you're dealt with. And, you know, now you just need to figure out how to make the best hand possible. So what you need to, what you, what we all have to do is to work with what we got and just, but, you know, but again, it's like, it's great to shoot, to be number one at whatever you're trying to accomplish. So, you know, maybe, maybe your goal is to be, I want to, I want to dethrone Joey Chestnut and I want to be the world's greatest hot dog eating competition uh, competitor. Well, you have to work at it, but you also remember there's only one number one. So you can't be number one and Joey Chestnut also be number one. You got to take them down. Um, but if you can't take them down, there's no shame in that. And so it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, it's like, there's no shame for manual being a smaller, uh, having a smaller agency and not being the number one hero, because again, only one person could be number one, you know? So it's just, it's something that is, you know, important for people to understand. Yeah. And, and like I said, manual just seems, he seems like that good natured D list kind of hero that does the best that he can. Um, and where you know there's other heroes that are you know they're the a-list heroes like endeavor and all might and best genus and hawks and things like that who are the a-list heroes that you know are the most skilled most accomplished and things like that um and uh but you know it's it's always good but it's good to see what a small time hero who's got good intentions looks like and manual kind of provides that um look and so but we you know we see all the other different kinds of heroes too like um gunhead is um intense but also very compassionate and um you know it's always great and one of the things that i i love about this episode is is deku training and how you know midoriya is, is growing with gran torino and how gran torino is is teaching him it's like okay how what can you do? Can you get better? And so, uh, but then one of my favorite parts was it. He was like, "All right, you're done fighting me. We got to yeah to go fight some other people." He's like, but I could barely, I could barely keep up with you. He's like, "Yeah," and you don't want to be able to fight me because you're going to come up on the exact opposite guy to me, and he won't know what to do. Um, yep. And I was just like, it was such great advice. Where it's like, um, I know one of those things that um, you know, like sports teams and things like that like it's one of my like when i started understanding more of like football and everything um well one of the actually most important one of the most important jobs in uh, professional football is the scout team because then what they do is that they do the best they can to mimic the opponent uh so that the starters and backups and everything can um get used to the idea of, of their opponents, uh, you know, plays and how they do things. And I just thought that, you know, that was fascinating. And that and that's what I thought of when, you know, Grant Terrino was talking about, I was like, listen, if you know how to fight me, that's great, but you need to be able to fight anyone at any time. Um, 
And so only fighting one person over and over again isn't going to help. Yeah, I even like it. He, he worked, the, his wording is, you're getting some weird habits. And so it's just like, which would be helpful when you're fighting against somebody that's a very quick opponent. It's like, okay, you know, fighting Grand Torino will help that. And even for even for future instances for Midoriya, would be helpful when he fight you know fought like fighting uh, Ida would be helpful because you know Ida is a very quick opponent. So learning how to fight Ida would would help him going up against other speed opponents. But yeah, but that but he but Tor- Gran Torino is exactly right. It's like it's not enough to just learn how to fight one type of person because then th- that's all you know how to fight. So it, like you said, it's like. You know, it's like there's only you know and this is the same thing with what I'm saying. You know, saying before with there only being one number one. It's like well, there's only one you. You know, so there's only one Grand Torino. You know, so learning how to fight him won't help him fight other things. Um, there's a, there's applications that he can take from it, but you know he just needs to be able to uh, adapt and and so, that sort of stuff. So it's really yeah, it is really great, and I and I I love that too. It's just like you know he. You know, it's it's so funny because like when you think about getting superpowers and, you know, like the first thing you want to think about doing is going out there and stopping crime and, you know, you know, bashing the bad guys. And for the first time in Midoriya's life, he now has permission. He's like, all right, we're going to go find some bad guys for you to fight. And Midoriya's kind of like, um, um. Um, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> I was like, I need more time to practice. And, you know, but if, like, fortunately, like, and one of the things that I do understand with him is that he is, uh, you know, he wants to be perfect. He wants to be and he wants to be the best. So he, he doesn't feel like he can, he should go out there and stop anybody until he's at all might levels. like, well, you have to understand all might didn't become all might overnight. It took time and practice. So it's just, it was interesting that, you know, just is, is great. It was very refreshing to see that, that a hero that is not wanting to find, you know, not necessarily just looking to find people to punch in the face His he wants to be able to do it right. Yeah. And it's also one of those things that at, at this point in Midoriya's training and career so far, he only truly goes into battle when he has to like the idea of fighting as of right now terrifies him um but has he shied away from a fight no only when he's actually had to like he he's like the he's right now he's the opposite of bakugo where you know we've seen the history of bakugo's bullying like he looked for trouble especially once his cork developed uh and midoriya only would get involved if he had to save someone or you know defend himself or anything like that and even defending himself is a little iffy he's not able to defend himself so he's willing to do that now um but anyway so that was that's the only time he's ever really he only fights like any other time he's like what do i do but have him save someone or have him defend himself he's all there but the idea of fighting is not a big thing for him uh, right now and so and that kind of leads into the kind of the the main emphasis for this particular episode is kind of like delving into stain's philosophy and really in all honesty there's there's some truth to it when it talks like because stain's biggest thing 
that he's that he's been harping on is that there's these fake heroes out there, and, and then on top of it too, he called you know he's calling Shigaraki basically a fake villain, um, and it's like you don't you're not going to accomplish anything without you know without uh, without conviction or desire. You're just gonna you know you're you're not going to do anything, and so and then it's funny too is that Shigaraki's like main you know when they're when they're having their discussion in the bar. You know, Shigaraki says, like, if there is only one, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's saying, he's like, if there's only one thing that I can go, that it's like, if that's my goal, it's going to be, I want to kill all might. And, and stays basically like, well, I'm the exact opposite. I want to kill every other hero except all might, uh, because he's the only one that's actually a real hero. Everybody else is, you know, these bloated ego, you know, they're like, egotistical people that they're out for you know for fame for fortune and that's not what being a hero is really truly about it's about making people feel safe and comfortable and being there for people um so it's not all just about you know all these endorsements and how flashy your your quirk is so it's you know so it's just it's really interesting that he gets into this debate and the fact that he's, you know, he's painted as a villain. Well, he is a villain because he's going around killing people um, and you, which you shouldn't do, but you know, he has a, he actually has a very good point in that, you know, if you're getting into hero work for the sake of, you know, fortune and fame, then you're getting into the wrong work and all honesty. And, and Patrick, I think you can attest this as well. It's, it's the same thing when it comes to getting into ministry. Um, yes, there are some ministers in this world that make a good deal of money. Um, but real ministers aren't in it for the money. And it's because it's not about that. It's about advancing the kingdom. It's about spreading the good news and making sure everybody has an opportunity to come into a loving relationship with Christ. And, but, but again, it's not about the money. And so, but in all honesty, one of the things that gets, I get really hesitant about, with some ministers is when they do start kind of like, you know, raking in the big bucks, so to speak. It's kind of like, um, what you doing over there, buddy. Yeah. Um, and that's, always, and that's always a struggle, um, as well. Like I have to look at, you know, what I do with ministry and I was like, would I do this for free? And as long as I keep like, and you know, I do this with honest reflection. Um, and I was like, yes, I would, I would do this for free. Um, still then I, I know I'm still where I'm supposed to be. Um, and you know, I mean, I am paid to be a pastor, but it's one of those things where, you know, and I actually had this conversation one time when I was a, when I was a youth pastor at a, a church, where I was there sitting with a, a family with a, with a husband who was watching over his wife, who she was in hospice care. And I was there at like 10 o'clock in the morning, spending time with him. And he was like, you know, I don't think ministers should be paid because he, he grew up from a very uh, primitive Baptist kind of standpoint. And uh, and I was like, I just like, I don't like pastors that are paid the professional pastors. That's it's an oxymoron to me. And I told him, I was like, well, here's the thing. Since I am well compensated enough that I don't need another job, I'm able to 
be here with you at 10 o'clock in the morning to spend time with you while you're watching over your wife. And he just kind of looked at me and I was like, hi. I mean, and, and this is a guy I, I spent time with him every day. And he said this to me and I'm like, okay, what, what am I supposed to do with this information? I'm just gonna be honest. It's like, I'm, I'm able to be here with you and at the drop of a hat because I'm, paid um now does that mean um i need to be paid for everything that i do that's all that's that's another conversation <laughs> so but you know it's the same thing like you know pastors are making seven figures and just kind of like i mean i kind of you know i do the same thing where i'm kind of like okay but it's one thing here's for me here's the thing for me though like if they do on the side or whatever they write books and they write a bestseller. I mean, I'm all for them earning the the profit and royalties from that book um, because I mean they put the effort, the time and effort into that book. I, I believe that. Um, but then one, but once a, a minister is demanding a Gulfstream jet so that he can do his ministry work better, uh, I kind of I, I kind of give that pastor kind of some side eye right there mm -hmm. well i mean it's one of the things that when it comes to you know like dealing with like money and that sort of stuff it's very easy for it to corrupt and go to people's head and uh, and and you start to start you start to feel entitled and so i definitely understand it and it's one of the things that like i get and and again it's like and, and please don't don't you know and just because somebody writes a book and they make a lot of money off of it it doesn't mean that you know, their um, theology is bad or anything like that. It's just, it, it's like, oh, it's really hard. It's really hard. Honestly, I, I feel like it's really hard to keep good theology when you make money, um, when you make really good money uh, and, and you turn that wealthy. I mean, so you think of the young rich ruler. It's like, he's this great guy. He did, you know, he followed the rules and, uh, you know, it was a, was a very good, um, I believe he would be considered Jewish. Uh, based off of what his principles were before when he was talking with Jesus, but you know, he was, he was a good Jewish young man and Jesus talks like, dude, you need to give up your money. It's your crutch. It's your, it's where your sin lies. And he's like, I can't do it. And so it's, it's something that, you know, and then Jesus has, you know, the parable of, you know, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, Jesus said it's it's that's going to stand the test of time, and so it's just something to consider. And and don't get me wrong, I do know there are ministers out there that do make uh, good money on paper, but a lot of their money gets turned into funds for the church itself. Um, so they don't even keep a whole lot of their own money that they make. So you know, and again, like I said, just because a, a, a minister does make good money doesn't mean their theology is bad. Um, I just personally, personally, as followers of Christ, we should be praying for the very wealthy ministers that they're able to maintain good theology because it's, because um, again, it's, it's so challenging. It's so hard to not start worshiping your money. Um, and on that note, let's go ahead and uh, jump right into the biblical theme. So the biblical theme that we have chosen for today is out of first Thessalonians. Uh, it is chapter one, verses four through seven. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. 
because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So the reason that this verse was chosen by us for this particular episode is dealing with, especially with Stain's message when he's dealing with Shigaraki. You know, uh, Stain has Shigaraki pinned and basically telling him, I was like, dude, you're, you're, on, you're on the ground because you don't have conviction. You don't have desire. You're not going to accomplish anything. So it's that same thing when we look at, when it comes to our walk with Christ, when it comes to what God has in store for us, unless we're all in, we're, we're not going to make the, we're not going to accomplish anything. We have to ha- have deep rooted conviction to make, to follow, follow through and accomplish what God has set out for us. So it's just, it, it's something that's so important to understand that, you know, and it's like, and it also makes me think a lot about, you know, in the, the book of revelation part of uh, John's letter, he's talking about how, you know, he, he writes, you know, it's one of the letters to the churches. He talks to the, you know, says like, you guys are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. So God spits you out. So it's that same thing. It's like, you need to be all in. You, you can't just be kind of halving it, you know, um, it's, it's an all or nothing sort of thing. And if you think you're halving it, trust me, God views it as you're not doing anything. It's because you're not all in. Um, so it's something that's so important for us to, to understand when it comes to our walk is that we have to be all in, bought all in on trying to accomplish it. And it's not just, you know, saying the right things, it's your actions as well. And something that, and that's something that Stain brings up towards Shigaraki and you talking about the heroes and the villains that are false, you know, it's just like, you can spout all this stuff, but what are your actions saying? And so it's just something that's very important for us to, to get a hold of and get behind when it comes to our walk with Christ. Uh, so one of the, the, the fun things to do with scripture is to understand why Paul writes these letters and to whom he was, he was writing to. And so in um, Thessalonica, uh, Paul uh, is writing this. And I love this part. You know how we lived among you for your sake. Uh, one of the things that Paul would do is he would, where he would go to, um, uh, to spread the gospel, he would, um, sh- you know, he would live among them. And so one of the things, you know, the famous things Paul's known as the tent maker. So he would go and make tents or he would be a day laborer with people. And during all of that, while spending time with people, he would share the gospel with them. And so this is great to kind of look at with the heroes as they're doing their internships. And you see how um, Ida and Manuel are, patrolling and he and while manuel is walking with ida he's teaching him the philosophy of what it means to be a hero uh and to be a pro and uh you know so there so it's not like okay you've passed all of this you know theoretical stuff in class 
and all right, so you've graduated, here's your license, you're good to go. You go be a pro hero, even though you've got the power to blow things up with your sweat. Um, you know, let's, let's give you, you know, carte blanche to do whatever you want without having any practical experience. So it's just like with driver's licenses, like you have to pass the written test, you have to pass a driving test, you have to practice driving with a, with a licensed adult. And so just in the same way as these students are working with these pro heroes, they're learning what it means to, to be a hero. And it's, it'd be it's real interesting as the story progresses, you'll see how their internships and uh, will affect the way they do things uh, later on in the story and uh and how they how these pro heroes help them progress and so we as christians we're, we're called to do the same thing so you know a lot of the times you know people say like oh i don't like going to church because it's full of hypocrites and i was like well that's who the church is for you know it's to help teach the hypocrites be like okay stop doing that it's for the sinners and so when we come together as the church what we are called to do is to work side by side just as paul was doing with every with all of these people like the church in Thessalonica and live side by side with each other in fellowship within community to uh, grow as disciples and we can only grow if we open ourselves to the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives uh, and also with each other and that's why it's so important to be in a church or uh and or be in a small group like doing both is great i if you've got if you can do both do both um but at least do one where you're in a small group of, of dedicated believers where you're studying the word of god and you're um, inviting the holy spirit to guide you in your path uh, but also doing it in community to help each other grow um, and then also be in a church where you're worshiping Jesus, you're worshiping God, you're praising, you're, you're having holy fellowship. And that's really important too. holy fellowship, where it is fellowship that is geared towards holy living, where you're living the life that God wants of you. And so um, that's why it's, it's really great where we have this conversation, you know, Stain is pointing out the flaws uh, that they have no, the, the heroes don't have the conviction. They just, they want to do the bare minimum to make a good living, or they want to do all the fame and glory stuff. And, and so they're not, they're not being true heroes. And, uh, and so for us as, as disciples, we need to be true disciples. We can't just um, have one foot in one foot out. Uh, so uh, Jeff, how would you rate this episode? Um, I, I give it a, I give this episode a 3.75. Um, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a good episode. It's, you know, really great at, you know, again, like I said, you know, we've talked about already before, you know, it's, it's does a great job of building the world and seeing more of it. And then you can just see that, you know, there's, you know, there's a, you know, especially with the way this episode ends, you, you we finally get Ida to, is getting to confront his brother's attacker. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for us to tackle the next coming, the, the coming episodes. Um, 
so so far they've done a really great job of leading up to um what's what's coming and so it's just it's something that you know i'm I'm just so excited for us to talk about uh but but again so not a whole lot necessarily happens um but there is a lot of you know like good character moments and growth and and world building so i'll I'll give it a 3.75 and i will do uh slightly more i'm gonna say it's a four um I, i agree with a lot with what you have said that um i love I love watching Midoriya grow as a hero. Um, and uh, I love the world building. I, I mean, I, I just love to see how worlds work. It's why, it's why Astro City is my favorite comic book series of all time, uh, because it, it just does such a great job of laying out the world. Um, but then the other thing for me, why it's a four for me is because of the the debate like this is um really well done explaining and and think of all the discussion that you know you and i have had this entire episode um really just because of stain and stain's conversation with shigaraki um it's just for me it's just so fascinating um, and so this is a this is a solid four episode for me. All right. And so anyone with questions for our biblical lessons or anything that we've talked about in this episode, or anything discussion uh, that we're any discussion that we've had ranging from anime, comics, or anything in general, please email us at fracktalkback at gmail.com or feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at fricketyf or at fricketyfrack on Instagram and Facebook. Remember that we love you, more importantly that God loves you, and always go beyond plus ultra. Ultra.